Welcome to Tartar the Podcast. I'm your host, Tracy Barrett. Here, we discuss the artist's journey and explore the creative process in the most honest way we know how. This podcast was born out of the love for every artist out there searching for a truth that has become harder and harder to find. We're on? We're on. Okay. Hi. We're here with Lucian Shapiro, and I want you to describe your art to me, because I was prepping for this, and first of all, your work, like, gives me all the feels. You know when you see something and it just, like, resonates with you? I feel that way just looking through your work and the stuff that you're making, and I've never really seen anything like it. And I need you, in your own words, to kind of... Can you describe it to me? I guess they can't see the, like, dumbfounded, humbled look on my face. Um, Oh. Yeah, I mean, I can try to describe it. Yeah, just I prefer other people to describe it. Okay, I'll try to describe it, and then you can elaborate on it. Okay, yeah. So, you make masks... Yeah. ...and weapons. I call them protection... Items. Okay, protection items objects. and other ritualistic objects. Because yeah. I noticed there's also like cups, vessels, yeah, vessels. Mm-hmm. So I, I feel like there's a the lot of like, meaning behind everything that's being made. Yeah, even down to the materials that are being used. Yes, truth. Yes, there's okay. actually too. I've removed a lot of what I. So this. I've only I've been making this work since about 2010-11. Okay. But I have like nine years of sculpture making that no one really sees because I took it all off the internet. Because you're trying to curate a certain vibe now? Or why did you take yeah, it off the I internet? I just didn't see the relevance. Right. Yeah. Because work evolves. So yeah. now you have... Yeah. This is a certain more, aesthetic. This is more you. Yeah. That was me then. This is yeah. me now. Yeah. yeah. It's just evolving like everything, I suppose. Right. Um, so how did you start? Did- so I was making like handmade toys. Okay. I, I got a degree in sculpture. Okay. Um, and then after school, did like a lot of figurative work. And I was making hand cast toys with characters I made what? up. Like before a long time ago, like 2003, four-ish. Okay. And then that kind of moved into this weird, like, obsession with putting hair on the characters. And so they were all, like, hairy and furry. Um, And they were always in these, like, suits, like hair suits. Why do I feel like this is the best day of my life? I mean... mean, (laughs) It's just all happening. Okay. um, And I called... The main character was called Chair Dog. Yes. And then there was a beast. And the beast was... Also covered in hair, and he had a little human butt and a little weird beastie face. Kind of looked like that monster toy. You remember okay. That, like, monster. But, like, my little buddies, like... Uh, monster Zine? Monster, no, before that. It was, like, a little plush... Mon- he was called Monster, and he had, like, handcuffs to break the chain. Maybe I'm that. older than I look. Um, I think I remind. That sounds familiar. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, Kind of looked like that guy a little bit, maybe subconscious. And then I started making these gypsy busts and other like figurative stuff. And then 
I realized I wanted to remove the figure and make out of myself the figure. And I made the first mask out of my old G.I. Joes from my childhood. Oh, right. And then I made the first bat, which ironically I saw last night at a friend's house. And the first bat was made out of a jaguar emblem that I found when I used to teach art to the inner city, like, youth was Petrero projects in San Francisco. Mm -hmm. I found it, it clearly like someone broke it off a jaguar and then it was just in this gutter. They like lost it, so I found it, put it on this bat. And I used the studs to decorate the bats to kind of tie into like our culture, punk rock, Mm -hmm. all that. Um, And I was, I did that in like around 2010, I think, Mm -hmm. 9 or 10. And then I got out of, most my work evolves through the relationships that end or begin. That's interesting. So the masks were an old relationship that um, we broke up. Mm -hmm. And I had been going through like some crazy depression. Yeah. And she was right to leave at that time. Like I wouldn't have stayed with me. Um, But... She left, and I was, like, felt, I was broken, like, super broken. And I started making masks for show. And the masks were, like, a way of, like, showing that everybody wears a mask. That was a cool noise. Um, That everybody wears a mask however we do, and I started, like, delving into that. And I don't think I was actually aware of what I was doing until more recently. Like I wasn't making masks for like a purpose. One of my friends, the first time we shot film was for that show, he said, we should make a video and you should make the masks wearable. I'm like, huh? And so I made them wearable and we shot this little like video for the show. And the bats were made as a form of protection to protect myself from like, you know, how we all build walls and do this kind of thing. So mm-hmm. that's how the mask started. The, the reason the masks are mostly were made out of bottle caps were because of, uh, I was obsessed with circles. I feel like everything comes full circle. You know, whatever we put out, we get back that whole deal. And so I was using the bottle caps as that kind of representation. And um, the bats... All of my work is very like meditative process or neurotic or whatever, however you want to look at it. (laughs) I like sit doing like drilling holes in bottle caps for like hours and like. Is that also why you liked applying the hair? Do you think so much? I mean, is that, that's a kind of meticulous and repetitive process. That was also just in a dark, weird time in my life too. Like coming up through into the mask. So I was just like, um. Do you recall, like, when you first started making stuff in your life? Oh, yeah. I mean, when Can I was a kid. Can you tell me about it? Like, when you were a kid? Like, what did you first, like, what was your first experience with making art or just making oh, things? When I was younger, I thought I was going to have a cartoon. I had, like, theme songs and stuff. Oh, my God. Please tell me about it. Um, I've never talked about this, actually. Uh, one of them was, like, weirdly, like, cow characters. Really? Yeah, super cow and like all these different cows. And I want, 
I think I was obsessed with living. I wanted to move to Hawaii and be an animator. And I went. To, How old were you? Uh, pretty young. Young, right? Yeah. Like in school still? I mean, what school? Like, like, like elementary, elementary school. Elementary school? Yeah. And you already felt like you wanted to be an animator? Yeah. That's right. I actually started. Well, when I went to college, I. <laughs> See, all these stories are new. So good. I, went, I went to business school. Oh. Okay. For, my major was business. My minor was art. So how did you, I mean, how did that happen? How do you go from being a kid that wants to be an animator that already has a cartoon to well, getting, going and majoring in business? Because my high school, I was trying to fit in. <laughs> <laughs> I mean. You know, yeah. like we all do. Exactly. Uh, but I was like, knew I was different. Yeah. And so I was Mainly because I would like it. I was the picked on. I had a lot of friends, but I got picked on. Why did you get? Why up. were you the picked on kid? I think I attracted that attention, that thing, maybe from past life stuff or like. The Isn't it interesting? It's like all just like what you're projecting or the energy that's surrounding you. Yeah, and it was after a move, and of course, I come from like. A my parents got divorced when I was younger and like, you know, that probably mm -hmm. had some weird thing that made me feel weaker than the other kids or whatever it was. Yeah. But they were my friends. Like, they were picking on me, but I like thought that's just how it worked. Right. I didn't know there was like rules. Right. That you have to like treat your friends well. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and so that, you know, that was like a good thing to finally learn later and why I broke when I went out of high school, I broke away from all, like I don't talk. To the actually have communicated with them a lot recently because I'm like Full all circle. about going back in and being like, Yeah, I, I'm dope as fuck now, and no, I don't need your acceptance, not that at all. <laughs> no, more like, I, I thank you for like making if they hadn't done that, I wouldn't be here where I am. So I'm super grateful. It's interesting, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I like love them you. as humans, and they're just trying to do their thing, yeah. And I'm just trying to do my thing now. So yeah, totally, cares, right? which is amazing. Yeah. I mean, then it's all about like forgiveness and like going internal for me. So I want to talk about your... It's going to jump all over the place. Beliefs and daily practices as far right, as that goes. Right. And I mean, I don't know even how to dive into the <clears throat> practices thing because it's in your work. It's everywhere. Um, you know, we joked around prior to actually this day about having it on the 12th yeah, I and doing it at 12, 12, 12. So yeah. maybe we should start there okay. with that. I want to talk about the 12s. Okay. So I don't, you mentioned something about angel number. Do you, do you, well, and then you, you like this? never wrote me back. So I was like, do you not believe in the angel number? So I number? think I just saw that a couple days ago. Yeah, well, that's why I was like, okay, or, or do you no, know I about said, angel I don't numbers? Know. So, tell me what you know about the twelves and what's happening to you. With okay, the 12s. so for me, it's more like I know important numbers. Oh wow, sorry. It's cool. My own podcast. Important. I fucking don't. <laughs> My phone. It might be important. <laughs> what if it was like an emergency? Um. So, to be honest, I don't. My memory isn't like. The most amazing so like i can't tell you like nine means this three is this 12 is this but i can look it up right now and we can say it out loud or people can just look up 12. no i already but, so 12 so the importance of 12 for me i already have like, it right here okay 
ready to fire it up. Fire. Well, the do we want to do? Version? There's so many versions. That's, That's the, thing. the thing. There's so a biblical. So I don't try to like take anyone, but for me, I believe in signs. Yeah. And I like listen to those things, and so we're we're gonna jump into this, but then you're gonna ask. We're probably gonna go reverse. We can just go all over timetables. Don't matter, right? Time yeah. doesn't exist. No. Okay. It doesn't. <laughs> I know. Um, so okay. So twelve. I finished a residency in Detroit. Okay. Last year. Um, and then I was going to do some traveling after I went back to California. So before the residency in Detroit, I had been traveling on and off for three to four years and had no real like home. I had a studio in Mount Shasta, but I hadn't had like a solid home home since San Francisco in like 2014 or 15. Wow. Yeah. Which was great, which was crazy. But so I was doing residency, residency or month rent here, month rent, rent there, but I wasn't really doing anything. And so I had some friends. One friend said, hey, when are you going to visit Marfa again? And I was like, oh, actually, I'm going to New York. And then I'm going to Austin. And I bought a one-way to, from New York to Austin, not thinking. And I was like, oh, I'll see if there's a train. It goes to Marfa, which there obviously is. And so I don't know a, if I would think it was that obvious. I mean, I yeah, well, I don't know. So I took awesome. a train from Austin to Marfa, mm-hmm. or actually to Alpine, because Marfa doesn't have a train station. Alpine's about 25 minutes away through these like mountains. And uh, my friend picked me up and dropped me off at my other friend's house. So what happened was she asked me, when are we going to come to Marfa to visit again? I hadn't been there for two years. I was like, oh, I'll come through. And then another friend the next day said, hey, I live in Marfa now. Do you ever visit here? I'm like, I guess, yeah, I'm coming now. You're the, like the answer. Uh, so I booked the train ticket that night, went there for a week. About the last day I was there, I was like, um, maybe we should look for a house, like in around. I was thinking of buying something. Yeah. So I like looked in the mountains on this amazing, beautiful, like eight acres with this weird beat shit house. Um, can you cuss? Yeah. Okay. It's raw and uncensored. Awesome. Um, <laughs> and so like it was cheap. It was like $80,000. Yeah. And like you could drill for a while and water runs under that mountain. And I was like, wow, this is cool. Then we went to this other neighborhood and that was the first time I noticed it. I was like, oh, this address adds up to 12, which technically is three. So there's any numbers you're supposed to like, if you're doing numerology, they break down into whatever they add up to. Right. So, Do you know your life path number? I did. Okay. Continue that. We'll but I don't remember. Out. I'll have to look again. I think it was, I don't remember. Um, but so 12, it added up to 12. I was like, that's weird. And she dropped me off at the train station. And at this point, I was like, listen, if a house becomes available in Marfa, let me know. And maybe I'll move here. Yeah. So <laughs> the uh, that day, I was on the train. And at 
12, she texted me, there's a house available. And then I didn't look at my phone. And when I looked at my phone, it was 12, 12. And I was like, why do I keep being 12? And she's like, this is the address. Or I said, can you find out the address? And like a few hours later, she texted me the address and it was seven, two, three. And I was like, that's 12. Like, okay, this is weird. And so then I started looking up 12 and I'm like, oh, it's like, if my memory serves, it's like a place of like 12, 12 growth is a message to you that you are ready to better the significant connections in your life. Yeah. Means stepping out of your comfort zone and starting a new life. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. That was pretty much like <laughs> spot on. Yeah. Pretty spot on. And so I was like, okay, this is, this is I guess, interesting. How much is it? She's like, 1200. You're lying. No. Later it changed because of some utility stuff. But initially, it was 12. And, uh, and so, I was like, okay, well, can I do it? I think I can. I haven't pulled my stuff from storage for four years. I probably should figure out what I'm going to do with my stuff. <laughs> I should probably see what my stuff is because I miss right. my books, my records. I miss my things. But it's a big change to like ground and root. But I knew it was time to like, and that Marfa was the first place while my travels happened over the years. I'd visited four times. So my fourth time visiting, I always felt super calm, grounded and comfortable there. But then I later found out it's because of the elevation is really high. And so it's kind of like, of course, you feel like lackadaisical and different because you're over 4,000 but there's also a certain energy about Marfa, right? I mean, yeah, why Marfa do artists gravitate has a to vortex? Mar okay. A weird vortex. And there's the Marfa lights. What are the Marfa lights? The Marfa no. lights? All right. So the Marfa lights are like, there's a spot you can see them. It goes back. They don't know what it is. There's theories, there's studies. There's been, some people think it's gas. Some people think it's car lights. Some people think it's, man-made but i mean the first sites were seen by natives and like people in carriages and stuff so like a lot of the stuff can easily be canceled out i personally feel like it must be an alien airport because, have you seen them oh yeah you see them all the time people oh i don't know if i see them you see them all the time if you go there like sometimes one bursts into four, and then they like burst back together. Sometimes there's like twenty. They change colors. They zip around. It's weird. Whatever it is, it's cool. It's definitely an alien. But what's weird is I lived in Mount Shasta. That was my studio before. Mm -hmm. They're both weird vortexes that are surrounded by alien stuff, which isn't like something I'm really like, yeah. 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 I mean, I believe in everything, but. It's not something I feel comfortable for. Right. Marfa, similar to Shasta for me, is like a mirror. It basically makes you look at yourself, go inward, and just start like swinging. Why? I don't know. It's like, it's a place that makes you look at yourself. How is your work different now living in Marfa versus being on the road for four years? Um, well, primarily, like, while I was on the road, I can't... So the way my work 
I make work, it's subconscious. It's almost like I'm channeling it. I have a kind of an idea, but I don't do drawings. Right. I don't just make stuff. Right. And then at the end, I know what it is or I know why it is. And to be honest, the mask that I wear, which is a character called the Light Collector for the Fear Collection Ritual, that and the Fear is the Mind Killer mask, which they both have vessels as part of their like ritual or their personal character. Um, those are the only two I've left from that show, I think. And I always wondered why, because they were, I thought they were like, or a lot of people told me that they were good pieces. I don't really think any of my stuff's any better than anything else. It's just like a good way for me to learn about myself more. And so, uh, they, I made those characters the main characters for my fear collecting ritual, which is what happened after I'd already been traveling about four months with an ex um, that we split up. And through that heartbreak, and I, I wanted to deal with fear and change. And I think initially it started out as me dealing with my own shit. <laughs> and after the third one, I, I was like, this is about everybody else. This has nothing to do with me. And so everyone I came in contact with, it became a way for me to show my work where I had a one-on-one -on -one personal connection with each person instead of, hey, look at my art I made. It has white walls around it. And let me tell you how, about myself. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it was like ego free was, hey, I want to help you guys if you're strong enough to, so can to you, face your shit. What does that mean exactly? Which part? The part of <laughs> fucking just all of it. I yeah. mean. So the you want maybe a walkthrough of what the fear collection yeah, looks like? like? Yes. I guess yes. there's videos online yes. and very well could be um, more... There might be some film stuff. I don't really know where it's going, but it keeps going. Yeah. I thought the project was over, but then when the book came out, um, it feels like I need to do it with the book releases to give people a chance to like participate. But initially, the project was I booked it like a music tour. So I booked it from California to New York and back. Okay. And then did like a Europe section too. Basically, any place that didn't need me to charge tickets, I just had donations because I felt weird charging people. Right. <laughs> Which now looking back, I probably should have charged people. Yeah. But I raised money, not that much money. Um, and I was pretty much doing it just to do it and experience helping people, I guess. I don't think I knew that when I started, but subconsciously maybe I did. So I'd set up a little altar. The vessel was a fear collector mask on a stand. And then below it was a vessel. And I had paper and little slivers of wood and I would have candles in a circle. I would light the candles and then I would put on the mask which had antlers and candles. And then I would pick up a vessel that was covered in candles and I would open the circle. So each person would walk up, write a fear or something in themselves they wanted to face. 
and then place it in the vessel. Oh my God, this is so fucking cool. And then I would go to the next city. And then I would pick up different things along the way. Like in the beginning, there was no bell. Then a few cities in, someone gifted me a bell. Um, actually, my friend Dennis McNett, who's an amazing artist too. So I'd ring the bell. And um, every time someone wrote a fear. And I'd go to the next city. What I didn't realize was I'm collecting all this people's stuff. Yeah. And I'm just driving around with it. Yeah. But I had all this protection around me without knowing I was building this protection. And at certain points, I would have nights where I'd purge and I didn't know why. And it wasn't like vomit, vomit. It was like this weird black tarry stuff. Oh my God. Yeah. Which we could go on on what that was maybe later. But so. I do this whole thing. I was on the road for 10 months and two of the months I was living in New York and I came back and the last collection I did in LA. So I did two in LA. A woman afterwards, I read a Nietzsche quote. Um, and afterwards she came up. Actually, Part of the tour was a Nietzsche quote. The other part of the tour was a Krishnamurti quote. I don't know who that is. He's a good, he's a good one. Okay. We could, all another, that would be like a whole interview on it, something I think. But uh, he, I read this quote basically saying, I'm not, just paraphrasing, like, I'm not a god, I'm not a guru, I'm not here to save anyone. Like, if you want to give me that power, great, but that's not the purpose. Overall, that's what I was saying. And I did it because people along the way were like, can I follow you? No. I'm like, what? No, you can't follow me. Like, that's not what this is about. And they're like, but you're taking our fears. And I'm like, no. You writing it down is the beginning of you removing your fear yourself. I'm not doing anything but putting a mask on and walking a circle around you. Like, if you want to give me that power, I'll take it. But it's not doing, it's not actually doing anything. Now I get emails, hey, I just saw you in Utah or whatever. Did you burn the fears yet? Like, no, no, I didn't burn them, but that was your first step, so you're fine. Like, keep going. And they're like, well, our fears won't be gone until you burn them. And I'm like, no, you wrote something down on a piece of paper and put it in a piece of art I made. Like, I didn't really do anything. Like, I'm just trying to show you, like, you're as powerful, everyone's as powerful as everyone else. Like. Just depends on how deep they want to go. And so when I got to the LA show, I said this quote, and part of it is this is not a cult. Because it started to feel like people wanted me to start a cult. <laughs> Which totally could have been cool, but like that's not what I want to do. Like that's not my life, that's not who I am, like at all. At all. And so this girl came up to me afterwards, Hollis, and she said, Hi, um, it really struck me, you said, this is not a cult before you started your ritual. And this particular performance, she was there because my friend, along the way, I would link up with different musicians that would perform with me while I did it. And this one was Morgan Sorn, who's this amazing vocalist and live music maker. And she said, I'm friends with him and I've seen him perform. And would you ever want to do a book? Yeah, actually, I had set, if anyone approached me to do a book on this tour, 
I would do a book, but not about my art, only about this project. And she said, I'm in. And then the further we went after that, and I said, well, I need to do the final ceremony when I burn the, the fear. When I burn the fears, we need to do a final ceremony and document it. And she said, where are you gonna do that? And I said, I haven't decided. She said, would you like to do it on my property in Johnson Valley? And I said, sure. You know, that sounds amazing. Um, so I had a very low number of pe fr close friends, people I truly trust and like love, invited them. So there was maybe 18 people there. If that, my dad came, his girlfriend. Um, and some friends that I've been friends with for like 20 years and a few that I haven't known as long, but that were good people, people that had contributed in some way. And we did it and it was intense because I cut off my beard. I've been growing my beard for years down to here. I look like a whatever beard person. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I don't like to talk poorly. I almost like just did. Um, and I cut the beard off with a meat cleaver. It didn't work so well, so I was like ripping the hair out. Um, and then I broke the vessel open and burned it and with all the fears. And when I broke it open, you could feel, it felt like you could feel oh, That's what I was going to ask you. I yeah. mean, it gives me, it's a, that is brave to be carrying around that vessel filled with everybody's fears. I mean, I'm yeah. surprised that you weren't burning them at every ritual. It gives me a little well, bit of anxiety, that, actually. I would do that now. Yeah. That's but a lot to be This vessel was, the, it was specifically the fear collecting vessel. Like, that's what it, I made it for without knowing I made it for that. When you were going through the process of making that vessel... I didn't know I was doing going to do this project. No. No. Is that, I mean, that's how all of your work? Yeah. It's just like how it comes through me. How do you feel me. about I mean, I that's, what do you think that means? I mean, how do you feel? That, I don't know. There's so much I'm of that. I'm learning a it's lot. Like, it's I just... mean, it's, it was the beginning of like a lot of things. Like at the end of that, I think maybe even before I did the final burn, I did like a 10-day Vipassana. What is that? Uh, it's a silent retreat. Okay. Goenka, it's like a specific one. I don't think any meditation is great, greater than any other yeah. meditation. It's just that one was, oh, I want to check that out. They're all over the world. Mm -hmm. You could look them up. Um, and then I did that. And then that kind of launched me into like even heavier. I was already meditating, but even a heavier practice. And I definitely like you asked what my practices are. The only thing I like... I will vocalize or talk about is I like rocks and crystals. Yeah. And same. <laughs> I like to meditate. Mm -hmm. Any kind is fine for everyone. <laughs> um, I have my personal ones, but they're no different, I don't think. And um, yeah, candles, incense, sage, Palo Santo. All the things. Anything. Yeah. Like those are my practices. Do I think that they'll work for anyone? I don't think anything's any stronger than anything else it's just what i it's just yeah i mean use. it's just your intention behind it right exactly which actually is a lot of what the work is now you asked about the work right so when i moved to marfa i made some protection objects for clients and stuff but i decided 
kind of decided in Detroit it was going to be the last of my mask making, unless it's for a performance or a commission or right. something like that. And why is that? Because um, I'm like blindly making masks. I can make these masks now like they're getting, it's just, I like to go further. Yeah. I, can, I know I can make these masks and like. I had made a film that I showed when I was traveling with the Fear Collection Ritual that was about um, the Analect. It was called the Analect Rituals. It was my take on see no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil. Mm -hmm. And it was shot by my friend Sean Roberts and scored by my friend Nick, who goes by Edison. And uh, it's just my take on like seeing, hearing, and speaking which is something I was really trying to be conscious of because I feel we're not conscious and I'm totally guilty of it too. I'll be at dinner on my phone like an asshole. Um, but just being aware of it is like the first step. So that was my take on seeing people and actually seeing them, listening to people and actually thinking before you speak because I was going through a lot of just like, a lot of times I'll go off on rants and then I, I'm like, what am I, you know, what am I even saying? Yeah. A little more conscious of it now, but in the past. And actually, that all of this project has led me to now, I've, for personal reasons, I stopped drinking. I'm like, I've been sober for like uh, a year and four months. Congratulations. Yeah. And not for any like addictive reason, but my work process is like a very big addictive thing, like monotonous movement. And it, like meditation, almost like counting beads, but all my stuff is repetitive, which is like very much like addiction. And I use dime bags too to that I sell. That is like obviously, you would usually get drugs in them. Right. I'm not really big into drugs, but uh, maybe at a point in my life I was, and so I use those as just symbolism of our society. So. One thing I want to notice is, don't you think it's interesting that you started becoming really aware of your words as you are becoming this person that everyone is looking to? I don't think everybody's looking. No, but I mean, Maybe. the people that are, Maybe. are, are, yeah. and you're kind of holding this power in a way when you're taking someone's fear from them i guess that's why i did the talk in the beginning was to be like you were i'm trying to show you that you can do this on your own you can go home write it down and burn it and then it's gone if you want to believe that of course like, and they can of yeah. course so if they want to believe that it's not going to go away until i throw it in a fire in 10 months they can sit with that fear for as long as they want. It's going to come back. Yeah. It never leaves. Like, that's the hardest thing is to at least know it's there. I had recently thought I'd overcome fear, a cycle, like, pattern. And a few weeks ago, I found myself back in it. I was like, what? I got rid of you. But Yeah, it's so hard to change yeah. those but as long Habitual as thought patterns. yeah, I guess as long as we're aware, like each step cleans us a little more. What um, 
what brought you to the no drinking thing? How does that affect your work? Oh. I find um, this to be really interesting, just artists and addiction. Yeah. And ju- so or just strangely, not even addiction. I don't want to say addiction, but just... Yeah. you. No, I I mean, I drank. I was, like, use, good at it. Using. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I was. Like, I was really good at drinking. And um, how it affects the work, you but, know? But I don't think I abused it. I just socially... Yeah. Or if something was going wrong, I could have a drink. And I have friends in AA and friends that are alcoholics, like, sober 10 years. And they're like, you're lucky because you can go hang out and drink a beer or two and go home. I could never do that. So I knew it wasn't, like, an addiction thing with me. But I noticed in meditation, if I drank the night before, it would take me longer the to next drop day. In. To, like, get to. Yeah. Not that I can. I mean, meditation is... You're always trying to just quiet everything. And a lot of times it's hard. But I noticed I could drop into like where I wanted to be or a quieter place when I didn't have the fog. Yeah, I experienced that too. Yeah. yeah. And when you're sober, you're just so clear. I'm pretty clear. And clear with intention. Yeah. Yeah, and I feel like when I drank, sometimes I'd make false promises or people that are drinking are making false promises. And the next day it felt like kind of wasted. Yeah. And I'd rather just be making stuff. Yeah. I still go out and see people. And part of Marfa, what it's taught me is I actually am super social more than I thought. I like miss, I miss people. Yeah. My friends, my communities. I went somewhere where I don't really, I have a couple people there, but. I don't really know anyone. I've I've gone like 20 days in a row without only talking to the postman and the girl at the grocery store. That's amazing. I mean, besides on the phone. Yeah. But in person. And then I'll see people. Wow. It's the first human-to-human contact (laughs) I've had in so long. It's weird. So Marfa will be temporary. It is? Yeah. What are you doing right now? What are you doing? There? there what are you working on and what are you doing out here and you're on a journey right now right oh well with a cat yeah oh yeah there's a cat now um <laughs> i wish you would have brought is it a boy or a girl his name he's a boy his name is inigo montoya oh do you have to you know, uh, address him by his full name yeah okay you know what that's from no Princess Bride. He killed my father. Oh my God. I can't believe I don't know that reference because I used to like request that I watch that for like five years in a row for birthday party sleepovers when I was a kid. Yeah. (laughs) He was the one. So I had some friends come into town and they were like, we got this kitten. We have these kittens. You should house them. And I said, no, (laughs) I'm allergic to them. And they're like, come on, please, please. Sure, sure. (laughs) Fine, I'll do it. But then one of them brought me to this house and it wasn't, it wasn't like kittens in a box. Like in my mind, it was in front of like a Safeway or something. Well, there's no Safeways in Texas, but maybe there are, but not where I live. Uh, I thought it was kittens in a box. It's like, I'll pick out my kittens or I'm going to take this box of kittens. But it was these feral Kittens, they were young, maybe seven weeks, Oh. eight weeks. But the one that I got was the one standing on the post. As soon as we pulled up and got out of the truck, 
it meowed to announce to all the other kittens, like, run! Like, <laughs> some people are going to try to take us again. <laughs> he was the alpha cat. Like, the crit. He had the crit, and he had little bandit masks because he's half Siamese. Or portion Siamese. I don't know. Who knows? And my friend laid out the food and just sat there and slowly like put food on himself and then his, he was the brave one the alpha cat got close enough and you got he, him he snatched him up got bit and clawed and his partner was fixing the wounds and at my house oh my God. and i put him in the bathroom for a few days and I'm like i'm not keeping this cat it's crazy like it's meowing all the time then like, the second day I went in there, he was just belly up in my lap, like letting me pet him. Like, oh. And then a few days later, after the first vet visit, because I couldn't right. find a shelter or anything that would do shots, I just became obsessed. And so before I came on the trip, my dad was visiting. We went on a hike and I put him in a bag and he just chilled in the bag. What, on the like, hike. what kind of bag? Like just like a little shoulder bag, like a tote. Stop it. Stop. Yeah, and he just hung out. He didn't try to get out or anything. And then I said, maybe this will work. <laughs> so I'm driving back. And the whole time I was driving back, he was either sitting on my shoulder or driving back. I was driving from Marfa to California. I See, I think California is just always my home. Um, and then it was hot. I don't have AC. So I have this old truck. It's got like almost 400,000 miles on it. Sounds like my car. And so I like shoved a frozen water bottle under him and he just kind of sat and panted and he chilled the whole time. Wow. And we stayed in a hotel that didn't allow cats. So me and my dad smuggled him in. My, we, he was driving to Northern California and then we stopped in Palm Springs. I put him in my dad's car and my dad took off to grandfather sit for the week until I go up there. And yeah, I'm mainly in town. I was for the book signing. So I'm doing a book signing fear collecting ritual in San Francisco um, awesome. on the 25th. Awesome. And the one here just got postponed. So it'll probably be in November. November? Yeah. Okay. So tell me about the book. I have it right here. Okay. That's and the book. I mean, it's so beautiful. It's that's all nice black. The paper on the edges is black. It's the yeah. most beautiful book that anyone has ever given me. Oh. Thank you to Not A Cult. Yeah, thank you to Not A Cult. <laughs> um, tell you about it? Okay, so uh, my friend Sean Roberts, who's an amazing photographer. Is he the one that shot all of he these? He shot the stuff in the back. I think you're looking at it. Yeah. yeah. Um, Unless it was captured by one of the video cameras. But he is the one, if you see on Instagram anything where I'm wearing a mask, or do, he usually shoots okay. that work. He's a very close friend, super talented. Um, and he actually designed the book. So he said, what do you have from your travels? And I said, I have two video cameras from every performance that I set up. I have photos from other people. So there's some, everyone's photo credited in there somewhere. And then I had other people phone photos and different things like that. And I gave him everything. And when I showed up for the first, like, viewing, I don't know what it is. Let's go over it. 
a lot of the photos were just about the journey. Yeah. So like in the front or any of them. And I said, uh, what are you doing? <laughs> and he said, <laughs> said, it's important. You documented your entire trip yourself. And I said, but these are my photos. I'm not a photographer. And he's like, actually, you have a pretty good eye. So he used a lot of my photos that I took. So I think 80% of the book, maybe 70% of the book are photos I took with my camera. Um, I think the journey is everything in this story, sure. right? Yeah, I mean, I mean, it is, but I just assumed it was going to just be... <laughs> pictures I realized, of the actual... I realized that that's ridiculous. So there's some writing in it, too. And it's three, three or four stories. One of them my mom wrote. And oh. it was her memory of me as a kid. Apparently, I used to collect rocks. Any rocks. And just shove them in my pockets. And every time I'd come home, she said she'd watch me and I would have my entire room was lined with buckets. And each rock was a specific magic power. And I like had it, knew it. And she said, I think I was staying with her because technically I was homeless in a way, but not really. Um, I was staying with her for a period after the, I got back for like a couple weeks or something. She walked in and I was meditating. <laughs> And I had like this giant crystal grid, like a weirdo. She just closed the door and then I came downstairs. I was like, hey, what's up? She said, I got a flashback, like with you and your new obsession, like and you or seeing this. She didn't know how long I'd been into rocks. And uh, she said, when you were a kid, you were doing like you were collecting them. Each one had a magic power and a special place. And you were very specific about what went where. And so she wrote a story about that. So it's kind of weird things I was doing when I was young, like five, six, young, young. <laughs> Later in life, once I got rid of all the bullshit, started doing it. I think that your soul knows it's like purpose and truth yeah. right out of the gate. And yeah. then you have to spend most of your life getting rid of all the conditioning and the bullshit and fear yeah. to come full circle back to that. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's kind of crazy. Yeah. So she wrote a thing. There's also... Um, a writing from Rachel Nagelberg, who wrote as if she was at the performance. Oh, that's um, cool. So it's like a first like a viewer's point mm -hmm. of view. Um, and there's quotes that she picked out as well. And then there's three stories. One is about how I needed to eat meat. So I was vegetarian for six years you're lying my artist statement used to be a story i tell about yeah. huffing mac and cheese the oh, smell of it yeah. because i was vegan yeah <laughs> really yeah <laughs> yeah i went vegetarian for other a perp it's like a whole story i got bit by these spiders on my first trip cross country when i was like 25 or 6 and i ended up having to flush my system i almost died i was sick for two years Whoa. Best, best way to do that was going raw. So I went raw for like a year and then went vegetarian for six or seven and then went, um, then went pescatarian sushi. Couldn't live without my sushi. And then I was pretty much mainly vegetarian for 12, 13 years. And when I went on this trip, I was exhausted. After every performance, I had to eat a ridiculous amount of food. I didn't know why. 
especially if I like had purged or did some weird thing. And uh, yeah, I ate a lot of meat. So there's like writing about why I started the story about my first like time eating meat and how I just went all in like eating. Even like, though I want every single person listening to this to buy this book and read the story yeah. themselves. Yeah. Can you just tell me the story? Of the, of the meat part? Yeah. Yeah. Um, slash, let's combine this with slash what's happening with you purging. Because I want to know. I don't really, still don't have a full on answer on that. Like I mean, someone coming... recently told me like that maybe it's connected to like sin eating. You know about sin eaters? No. It's like a long thing. Okay. Um, but, uh, but black, so I don't know what it was initially. Um, I was, what was the first, so basically I guess in Seattle, my friends there, like I'm so tired after the performances and the day before, or the, like right before the performance, I would get this crazy hunger that I'd never had. And I was eating, I would eat like $60 worth of vegetarian food and yeah. just be hungry. And they're like, why don't you try this chicken wing? It's Egyptian chicken wing. Egyptian chicken wing, what's that? It's just the spices. And I ate it and I was like, good. It's like, well, no, like, you just need meat. We were vegetarian for so long and we decided we need meat. Listen to your body. I'm like, oh, but I have all these things about like, I've been doing good, vegetarian, da, 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 da. Fuck it. So... The day after that, so it was after the performance, the next day I ate ribs. Oh, you went for it. Yeah, I went <laughs> in. And then the day after that I was eating like sausage and elk. And I just kept everywhere I went. I was all over the You're country. So it was too. just yeah. like, oh, you should have snake. You should have rabbit. You should have this. So I was just eating it. And I was being, I was full and I was technically saving money in a way. <laughs> Um, but, uh, yeah, so I just ate the shit out of meat, like crazy, um, which a lot of my friends were not happy with because, you know, you hang out, if you're a veggie, you hang out with a lot of veggies. No, I know. I am veggie and I recently started, I'm going through the same journey. I recently started eating fish. Yeah. And that's, I feel like that's just the gateway drug because it is. it's weird. Like yeah. my body, the first time I ate fish yeah. is just like, thank God. Yeah. You're, it's crazy what yeah. starts to happen to you inside. But if you haven't had it in so many years, yeah. you forget, you like, it's like you forget or yeah. something. I've been fasting recently. How is that? Because um, that's a whole other experience too. Yeah. I've been like going dinner to dinner. Wow. Really? Yeah. Just on this trip. For the purpose of... Try it out. Just to see. Yeah. And I have energy. I'm drinking coffee. Yeah. In the morning and in the afternoon. And I'm good. I mean, I got tattooed last night. Yeah. And I hadn't even eaten yet. And in the past, I would have been like, let's make sure you get your food. And yeah. Like, you're going to get... Yeah, I ate a lollipop. Isn't that's interesting though because that's I mean that's what it used to be in like caveman time. I was gonna right? say that's, I mean they I've, would go out and hunt all day. Yeah, and if they were lucky enough to catch something, right. they'd probably gorge on it. Yeah. And wouldn't find something else for three or four days. Yeah. Or maybe if they could forage. Um but yeah, so wait, what am I story am I supposed to tell? 
No, I don't know. We were just telling you. I just wanted oh. to know. I mean, I just think that it's interesting, like, what you put in your body and choose to yeah. put in your body. And I think that, you know, So, as... I'm eating super clean meat. Okay. And greens. Greens or greens? Greens. Okay, yeah. I'm trying not to eat bread, grain, and it's, like, because since I moved to Marfa, I have this weird... I've been having this weird like, energy stuff and like bloating stuff. So I figured it was my diet. And so since I've been on this diet, which usually I eat two meals a day, uh, it's kind of almost close to keto yeah. in a way. Yeah. Because I'm not doing, I'm paleo. Sounds yeah. Very much like paleo. Yeah. Yeah. But it's not anything specific. It's just kind of like, oh, this is working. Let's do this. Yeah. <clears throat> my body's our bodies change i guess i am learning <laughs> yeah they um, definitely change and i think that i don't know why but i think there's a common thread with artists yeah and what they choose to put in their body their daily practices yeah. and what you're currently making and yeah. how it all affects one another yeah you know yeah i mean even the drinking thing choosing not to drink yeah it's, there's, you know, daily meditations. So important. Yeah. For me. Yeah. I don't like to tell people to do anything. Right. Obviously. Um, but the work, I guess I never talked about that. The work in, since I've been in Marfa, it's all large. Really? Yeah, like... And I wonder if, I mean, that's the case because you have a permanent residence. And, well, and I have space. Exactly, that's what I mean. It's a huge right. space. My my house is pretty big. You're making work to... I live in a three-bedroom house by myself. That's a, so rad. Yeah. It's crazy. I'm super grateful, but I'm also... It would be cool um, to have, like, partnership or something in that kind of situation. Yeah. In the middle of nowhere, but... Comes and goes, I suppose. Um, but everything is, I'm utilizing all of the remainder of the things I collect. Because I guess we didn't really talk about that. Well, Most you of my work is collection. Is found, found items. things. Right. So mainly I use bottle caps, which I talked about. I do order punker studs because you can't just find those. Um, street diamonds. Okay, I can't, I'm so excited to talk about street diamonds. Yeah. Is it broken glass in the street, or what is yeah, it a so, street diamond? Okay, yeah. So I grew, I grew up, I grew up. <laughs> That's all another story. We didn't even get there yet. Um, so I uh, lived in San Francisco for so long, and as you know, gentrification is happening all over the country. I imagine the world, and uh, San Francisco got hit pretty good with it. Yeah, I'd I don't say. know that I. I feel like it's my home, always because I lived there so long. Yeah, I lived there for like twelve years or something, and by my studio, cars regularly were getting broken into, and a friend of mine was like, "Why don't you use street diamonds?" And I was like, "Street diamonds? What are you talking about? Street diamonds? You know, glass from cars." I was like, "Well, that's what they're called." He's like, "Yeah, it's in a rap song." <laughs> I gotta know how do I not know that first off and then so I saw them all the time so I went on my part of my like process is collection so whether the bottle caps were 
hey, I need bottle caps. People would save them for me. So I'd form these relationships with people where people either social media or whatever would text me or friends, hey, got bottle caps or bars because I was drinking, which this is why bottle caps are kind of dying off because I'm not going to bars regularly anymore. Mm-hmm. So I, don't, I feel uncomfortable saying, hey, can I get like a Topo Chico or soda water? Hey, can you save me bottle caps? Like I, a sober relationship with a bartender is kind of weird. Right. So I kind of have to either be friends with the bartender already to get, but I would pick up literally all over wherever I was. Pickup day. My whole back of my truck would just be different garbage bags, bags, people still at shows will bring me bottle caps. My dad brought me like two bags to Texas. People just know save bottle caps. For, so for awesome. Guy. So I, that's cool because I get to communicate with people and it's a weird like exchange, you yeah. know, like relationship. Like, thank you for the basically art supplies. Yeah. And then street diamonds. So I would, sw- I sweep them up off the street after they've been broken into. <clears throat> so I've numerous times people have come to their car and I'm <laughs> in front of their car <laughs> With a broom. But you're also like, I swear it yeah. wasn't me that broke so how the window. Often have you had cops called on you. <laughs> the cops know that no one breaking into cars is stupid enough to clean it up. True. But like <laughs> cops have slowed down, be like, hey, how you doing? I'm like, hey, just cleaning up. And they thank me. Oh, thank you. I don't say. But guys have gotten in my face and I've never actually been in a fight. I've never been punched or punched anyone. Yeah. And um so when people get in my face, I'm just like, it's for art. What? What are you doing? Look at the street. Look around. Those cars got jacked too. It wasn't just like, I'm not this stupid. I'm, yeah. And I have different back buckets. So it's different colors. I don't know if you know that. I was going to ask that actually, so because I feel like there's probably like a blue, a light blue. So there's like a bluish a clear... green one. There's one that's a little clearer and then there's tinted and then there's Ooh. tinted sheets. So the tinted sheets are actually just sheets with the blue. The actual tinted glass is black. So black street diamonds are like my rarity and like my What gold. produces a black street diamond? Like a full tinted window without the sheet. And how do you get that? I mean, what kind of vehicles have a, a full tinted window without the sheet? Do Depend- you know? I don't know. Fancy? Fancy, right? That's yeah. what I mean. Yeah. That's okay. that rich shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You gotta go to Beverly Hills for that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, in San Francisco, there's a lot of it. But So the crazy come up on the street diamonds, where well, I finished the other materials, and the other materials I buy, I bought in bulk a bunch of dime bags. Which okay. I sew together. And so part of why when I'm in Marfa is I'm just going through all these different things I've been collecting for years and I'm using them all so that I can clean it out. And what and are you making if you're making right now with that stuff that's large scale? Oh. Are we talking about that yet? Or we no? can talk about it in a minute. Okay. I want to talk or out the street diamond the main reason I have so many street diamonds right now, because it's usually really hard to find. The residency in Detroit, as soon as I got there, I asked a local that was working for it. Do you have any friends that likes to do like weird, like knows where to get specifically broken glass from car windows? And it's Detroit. So Detroit's right. just like. Should be like the hub. Yeah. <laughs> and he calls 
this dude and I look at his Instagram and I'm like, oh, this guy's a hood. Like I thought he was gonna just be like super gangster. Well, that's because the picture on his Instagram isn't him. It's like a picture of someone else. <laughs> and so this like smaller kind of skinny um, kid shows up and I'm like, Dan? Oh yeah, man. I'm gonna drive you to the spot right now. Let's go. I'm like, okay. You don't look like your picture on Instagram. <laughs> you know, you're supposed to check with your like Lyft driver or whatever. Like, I was just like making sure I wasn't about to get kidnapped in Detroit or something. And he said we're gonna go to a chop, a chop shop that just got busted. And I was like, Oh shit. Is that safe? Was like, oh yeah, you're fine. You're fine. This is a guy that his hobby is to find burnt out cars, abandoned buildings with weird chop shops. He knows the whole city. And you know how he gets there? He rides his bicycle. No, he doesn't. Yeah. He's like, he showed me his odometer from the year was like two over 2,000 miles biked. He's crazy. But he picked me up in the car because he knew we were going to be picking up glass. And so I thought, first I thought like, oh, cool. I'm going to get some cool little like bits and pieces. It's going to be a good start. He opens the gate and we park and I walk into what is separately lined windows from cars like Dodge Caravan 71, did it, did, yeah. whatever the year and tinted, everything separated. And then there were piles of glass and I was like throwing glass in the air like I was <laughs> to make Scrooge or whatever. I was so yeah, I was so excited, and I'm like, take my picture. I never want people to take my picture and take my picture in front of it. And I was so excited. It was the most happy I've ever been. I think, uh, well, at that time. And so we loaded his car up with a ton of windows, which I felt weird because part of my thing is collecting it in the street, sweeping it up. But technically, I was collecting it. It was stolen. Yeah, and it was something that I was going to turn into art like something negative that happened because that's a lot of what my stuff is is taking things that are negative and turning them into like a positive yeah situation and so I build the crystals out of them like what look like crystals from the street diamonds um, with resin and it's the first time I'd ever used full windows and just broke them and how awesome is that it's pretty cool yeah um, I can see why so many people do it. Um, <clears throat> and then, so that comes to the work that's happening now. I actually haven't done any street diamond pieces. I'm going to start when I get back. But I made a giant kind of quilt thing oh. looking thing. It's like more of a pattern work thing out of plastic bags I've been collecting for a really long time. It's like 10 feet by 10 feet. Oh my God, rad. And I built this other thing that I'm calling the web of light. Mm -hmm. And it is, uh, do you know about that? I don't think so. I'd have, to, I'd have to look up what something real quick. While you're looking that up, I have a question about the Let's street diamonds in formation of crystals. And that is, yes. do you believe that certain crystals hold certain properties and power? Or do you think that we are just assigning the properties and powers? <laughs> That's good. That's a good one. Um, hmm. 
I guess I'm into the fact that people have pre-assigned <laughs> pre-assigned it. Okay. Um, I believe that I have not actually ever really thought about that as like a why. I just figured it's a it is. But it's like anything, I guess, whoever wrote the Bible and whoever wrote like they're just stories. Right. Do we want to attach ourselves to that? Right. Um, because in a way, you are doing a similar thing in your work. Yeah. But I think I'm not telling, saying that it has a power. But you, but you kind of just did. The street because, diamonds? Because you're creating a crystal with the, your own story and path. With the intention to remove negativity. Yeah. Well, that's all my work is made with intention to like. Right. So. Channel or remove. It's kind of. But not like quartz is for this. Amethyst is for this. Rose quartz is for your heart. Right, right, right. I get that. But I mean. Use amethyst for this. Use. There's. Obsidian for protection. Right, so why, so, but you believe in the, so, but that's, do you know what I'm trying to ask you about the crystals? It's hard to look at something and try to think about that. <laughs> I found it though, and then we can do it. Um, okay. Kali Yuga. Have you heard of this? No. Okay, so I sent one of the new pieces to a friend. Okay. And she, of course, was like, oh, I was talking to one of the great, like, I got gifted this thing from the great council of grandmothers. And I was like, what? Okay. And she said, Kali Yuga. And it's basically, I kind of know the rest of it, is that we're in a time where all the darkness is rising, going to the top. And it's like about to get like decapitated in a way. And then a giant net of protection and light will go over that to protect all of the like good light workers. What? Yeah, that's what people say. From the Council of Grandmothers? Yeah. Who, what? Oh my God. You should look that up later. But, um, I'm going to freak out. This is so awesome. So I sent, had sent that picture, this picture of this new piece, it's new materials. I won't say what it is because I don't want to. But I imagine my first showing of the work will be in L.A. I mean, I hope. Yeah. I'm hoping. I hope so, too. We'll see. And um, it looks exactly like this drawing that this psychic gave my friend of this net of light. She said, you're making this. I was like, and she was laughing at me. She's like, you're so (laughs) basically stupid. You keep making these things. You don't even know what you're doing, but you're doing it. Like. You're tapped in. You're doing it and I'm like yeah I don't know maybe maybe it's just coincidence who knows like I won't get ever give myself that much power but one of the pieces is bottle caps it's the largest one and those pieces the intention behind it is um for intention or wishing it has a hole that you're supposed to whisper your intentions or dreams into and then it can make it come true if you want. I, I, I'm more about setting intentions lately. So like I'll, the same with the web of light. Each piece is a separate piece that I hand make, set an intention into, and then I weave them all together 
to make kind of like a prayer wall almost or an intention wall. That's so amazing. And kind of all of my work I'm realizing is like that. That's amazing. I'm just picturing it all. See, here's... I don't know where the, they went. Yeah, you're going to have to give us... I don't know. Because we're going to... Well, we post, you know, pictures of your work and stuff mm -hmm. and put it out there. And I feel like we don't even have enough time and space to post all the pictures I'm going to post. Yeah. <laughs> I get three, right? Yeah. I think you will figure it out. Um, oh, there's... He's showing me right now. You know that it's all audio. I know. <laughs> right now, it's just like me and you. I'm just like, what? No, I know. I'm Who just cares? teasing you. Oh, the video isn't good video. Oh, okay. It's one of those stupid. Oh my god, this is so cool. But so that's the you'd whisper into that. Oh, that's so amazing. It's hard to show or talk about art that on a radio. Right. And I also just finished another. I used braid garbage bags for years as part of installations, mm -hmm. and I took all of those out and wove. Did my first weaving out of braided garbage bags oh that's so cool and it's like huge by the size of that half of that wall maybe so everything's large because i want to work with environment and it's such a reflection of the space that you're i mean i think yeah. it's always kind of a reflection of what's going on in your life but your yeah. work really is a I'm reflection pretty of what's vulnerable yeah i like that yeah i mean you have to be so you have to be so open and vulnerable, and which is why you probably get your heart broken all the time. How do you know I get my heart broken all the time? Because you've mentioned it, oh. that a lot of your work comes from that through oh, starting yeah. relationships and ending them. And you've referenced like heartbreak, and I just think that it's like really commendable that yeah, you can be that open oh, yeah. for the art. Because you, there is no way that you could be even remotely a little bit closed off in your work. I no. mean, you're so tapped in to be like that. And that's hard. It's hard to have, I think, relationships when you're that open because it makes you so fucking sensitive and like vulnerable. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> you nailed it. <laughs> Notice how I get, got real quiet. You're like, oh, fuck. <laughs> I'm outed. Oh, no, there is a oh. there's a sensitive, vulnerable guy left in the world. I love it. So do you want to tell us as we start to close this? I mean, I feel like I could talk to you for like eight more hours. Uh -huh. um, do you have anything coming up that you want to talk about? We have the book and where can you buy it? It's called Fear Collection Ritual. Yes. It's beautiful. Thank you. I, seriously, it's so gorgeous. Um, how can you purchase it? Uh, through Not A Cult. Not A Cult? Publishing's website. Okay. All right. I believe they might have some at like bookstores okay but i don't know which one yeah i mean maybe it's stories i think might have oh some. really i don't know that's cool that could be maybe false no i think so though okay all right um, cool but they'll have them and then i'll have them at the book signing in november you're gonna come back in november i'm hoping right? if okay. we can book the right venue part of why i got postponed was i got picky oh about the space yeah yeah 
So when you come, what do you, so what can people, how can people go? You're doing the collection so have, rituals, right? Currently um, or no? I think what currently we're about to like book a book, a book, <laughs> book, a book tour. Okay. Um, so that should happen in which I at first wasn't sure about doing the fear collection rituals again, but I'm going to do them and I'm going to burn them that same night okay. that I do it. So it won't be the full. So no one has to worry or yeah. contact you <laughs> that their exactly. fears didn't get yeah, extinguished. For sure. um, so that's happening. I don't know when. Um, currently, I kind of have I backed out of a lot of shows this year to kind of work on myself yeah. and kind of grow the work and transition into. I want to do bigger installations for like. You know, hotels, things like that with the newer work. That's mm -hmm. the goal. Yeah. Uh, and save the kind of performance and smaller work for the galleries stuff. Totally. And so I'm trying to figure out just transitioning out of that. But I do have my first museum show at Fort Wayne Museum of Art in Indiana. <gasps> That's so exciting. Which is super Cool. And that's it's gonna so be cool. I didn't even talk about this, but it's gonna be my new film. That, oh. That's why I'm in town. I'm we're editing the new film. Okay. Can you tell me about it? Yeah. What what's the film about? So there's it's two dark it's two halves of myself that are darkness. The feminine, which is a raven, and the masculine, which is a spider. Although the costuming is switched, so like the spider kind of wears a dress looking thing and the raven wears like a leather studded jacket that I designed and made. It's crazy, it's like crazy covered. I can show you a picture later. And basically the raven goes off to try to find herself. He stays back to try to build a nest and they realize that they're the same thing. They become one. And then they emerge as light. And through the story, there's three light carriers that, that kind of are guides to the light. And so I emerge as one I mean. being of light, I guess. Which is just kind of something that actually... was the process of what I was going through when I was in Detroit and probably, and now that I've become lighter, cause I was dark and negative for a long time in my life. Now that I'm just trying to be positive and um, do good things. Uh, I would have assumed that. There's no way you can come to this if you don't come from the darkness. Yeah, and so it's kind of my like- Story. Quick little story. It's gonna be six, seven minutes and it was shot by um, Chris in Detroit and photographed by my friend Sean Roberts. It's going to be scored by Edison, but we're chopping up this guy Morgan Sorns um, singing and sounds to make the score for it. And it'll be released with all the costumes and the protection items and we built like this underground river thing in this basement for reflection. 
it was pretty cool, fun project. We shot it all in like less than two days, like maniacs. Um, had net zero, very low funding for it. So that's awesome. Um, I like to see it. So that's for the museum show. That's amazing. And it'll actually be with um, a couple other artists. Cool. When is that show? October 26th. Oh, it's coming up. Yeah. They've okay, actually cool. had all my work For since December. <laughs> I'm a little neurotic. If I get a deadline, <laughs> I get it done. Like a year? You're like, here's everything. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. And then what else is coming up? I actually don't have just a lot of personal work. I kind of... I'm waiting for the right shows and the right yeah. things. It's so important, I think, to take a step back, to take steps forward. Like, sometimes I just want to, like, do have a yeah. minute, you know? It's yeah. crazy with, like, how tapped into everybody we are with social and whatever. You feel yeah. like it's, like, sometimes you just... I needed a break. Yeah. That's Marfa is That's my cool. break. Yeah, totally. And I upset some people by backing out of some shows, but, I mean... Yeah, I mean, it's all part of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I wish I had more to hype. No, it's a lot. What are, can you, what are all your, what's your Instagram and what are all your links? They're all my name. Okay, cool. Yeah. Easy. Lucian Shapiro. L-U-C-I-E, right? Yeah. L-U-C-I-E. Because anyone listening that doesn't know who you are yet, like you, like the visual of your work is fucking amazing. And so powerful. So I just want to, that's why I want to make sure that it's like, it's Make all out blush. there and everybody can go, like, needs to go look at it right now. That's nice. Please look at it. <laughs> if you want. No force. Uh, yeah, actually, it's it's even better. In, I think it's better in person. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. I don't think the photos do it 100% justice, but okay. until we have 3D projection yeah. cameras. Just wait. I mean, the priority happened exists. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. How long was that just then? This interview? Yeah. Uh, hour and 17. Hmm. An hour and 17? Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. I looked up there and I thought it said two hours. Well, and that means like we, that's just, we're now on the second hour. Oh, so okay. With one. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate yeah. it. Thanks for listening. If you believe in our mission, please rate, review, and subscribe. If you would like to get involved, please find us on social media.